So, and this could work for a post or an email or a sales page. Mm -hmm. So it, it would all work the same. And you would pretty much open, maybe passive. I like to do big headline first, right? Grab their attention. And then I like to go right into poking the bruise. So I would say something, if it was somebody to book a call with me, like, are you, I get it. Like you're totally overwhelmed with running your business. You've got eight bajillion things on your plate. You're dealing with launching this new product. And the last thing you want to do is sit down and write copy that you're not sure is even going to work to begin with. Right? Like, so you're just kind of describing their situation to mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Maybe go into it a little deeper. So you put it off, you put it off, and then all of a sudden, it's the day before you're supposed to go live. You don't have a single email written. Your sales page is half built, and now you're up until 3 o'clock in the morning mainlining espresso, hoping you can get it done in time for your webinar at 8 a.m. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah. you really kind of put them in that situation that they're in, and that's when you can then get them primed to imagine a better future, which is really the next step. So you have headline, bruise, imagine statements, which was imagine having your copy done for you weeks beforehand. Mm -hmm. And then your solution. Hey, if you want to have that kind of life, call me. Leaders Business Lab is for you, the business owner, entrepreneur, the expert in your field who wants to be seen and heard as the influential thought leader in your industry. My name is Samantha Riley and I've been building and growing businesses for over 26 years and I've learned there are three key areas to your success, your mindset, your talents and the people you surround yourself with. Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Alison. It's great to have you here joining me today. I am so excited to be here and to talk to you and uh, we're going to have a good time. We are going to have a good time and we're going to share a lot of awesome tips about copywriting, which is something that sticks a lot of people, you know, in the spot. Oh, that, yeah. that kind of sounds really weird, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people really struggle with copy and I think that people just, they, they get stuck on how to get started or they think that they can't possibly write their own or they don't know where to find a copywriter and it just becomes overwhelming and scary so they don't do it. 100% nailed it on the head. Before we jump into today's topic, I'd love you to share a little bit about what it is that you do and how you ended up here doing, you know, what it is that you're doing now. So I write um, direct response sales copy, which basically means if you want somebody to take an action, I will help you do it. Um, I like to say that I, I don't know how to drive traffic, but you mm -hmm. bring me traffic and I will convert them. Whether you want them to opt in, join a group, buy something, that's the big one, mm -hmm. or any, take any kind of action that furthers their relationship with you, I help you do that. And I got started, I fell into it. Um, I took a job, just bouncing through school after not knowing what I wanted to do um, with my life and took a big girl job, the kind with health insurance, <laughs> at, <laughs> at a marketing company. 
um, called Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle, run by Bill Glazer and Dan Kennedy. And wow. um, I drop those guys a lot. Yeah. So they're pretty sought after in the info marketing space. I got I um, started as an admin assistant. A little over three years later, I left as the director of marketing. So really had an aptitude for it, took to it like crazy. And um, I learned how to co- write copy there. I actually, my first sales letter um, I wrote and then asked Bill if we could send. So he lovingly tore it apart. We fixed it and then sent it and it made money and I was hooked. Yeah. That was all she wrote. That was in 2007. Talk about landing right there in the thick of where to learn copy. I didn't know that about you. That is so awesome. Did you know who they were before you took that job? Not a clue. That is so cool. That I, I mean, it was really, and so I was an education major in school and decided not to be a teacher because all the teachers I met weren't happy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to do because my whole life I wanted to teach. So I changed my major from education to uh, English, which was always my Mm -hmm. major, but English and psych, and then threw in a creative writing minor just for fun. And I figure if you're going to be a copywriter and go to school for copywriting, those are probably the three things you want to study. hundred percent. Look, absolutely. Yeah. So it just, it was very serendipitous. I consider myself incredibly lucky. Um, Actually, last night we just had our GKIC reunion dinner where we Mm -hmm. get the, the fam together um, once a year just to have dinner and catch up. And so, um, I got to see Bill and his lovely wife, Karen, and, and a bunch of my previous coworkers. So still a, a huge part of my life. That's so awesome. So today we're going to talk about the five pillars for good copy. Now tell us what, what are these pillars used for? Is it purely for sales pages? Are these the pillars for anything that we're writing? Can you, can you frame what these pillars are good for? So these pillars can be good for anything that you write. They should always be used for anything that you have a call to action for. An mm-hmm. email where you want them to take action, Uh, a landing page where you want them to opt in, of course, a sales page where you want them to spend money, any, anything where you really, you're like, okay, I need you to do something now. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Love it. All right. Let's jump in. You're the genius in this area. (laughs) So I tried to give them fun names to help them stay memorable. Uh The first one is make it personal. Uh Not as fun of a name, but it's snappy. Um, has to be done, right? <laughs> it has to be done. And basically what this means is you want your copy to be written as if it is speaking to one person. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Facebook posts that I see that are like, hey, everyone, mm. if you are blah, 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 try not to do that. You want it to read from word one as if you're speaking one-to-one to the exact ideal client that you want to reach. If if your not ideal client reads it or whoever is not the right person, they're just going to disqualify themselves and that's okay, Mm. which is kind of a hard pill to swallow. We want everybody to want to buy from us, but when you can get it honed into the point where the right person is excited to read your stuff, they're going to buy more often. And so you're going to have better results, not to mention build a better community, serve the right people, because how many times have we gotten the wrong people in our courses? Oh, look, I, they, I think if there's anyone that hasn't, they're almost a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> right? And they, they kind of, like, they tank our stats. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not as successful. They might not complete it. They, 
cause a lot of support issues and the wrong people and, and refunds, right? So mm -hmm. if we can prevent the wrong people from reading our copy in the first place by laser targeting to the right person, then that's a win. Mm -hmm. And you do that by really the unsexy part of copywriting is the research, right? Knowing exactly who you're talking to in minute detail, as far of a detail as you can. Mm. And um, I, I really, I break it down into four. I'm going to try not to overwhelm your audience, but I think it's going to happen. I break yep. it down into four <laughs> sections and the demographic information, the who they are, mm -hmm. the social information, the what they like. Mm -hmm. So what kind of magazines do they read? Are they a dog person, a cat person, that kind of thing. The relationship between you and them, have they bought before? Are they fans? Are they cold traffic? Do they refer? Have they given you testimonials? All those questions. And then the psychological conclusions that you can draw. And that's really what keeps them up at night. What are they worried about? Ultimately, what problem do they have that they're willing to pay you or someone else to solve? Mm -hmm. And if you can really understand everything you can about those four facets of your person, you're going to be able to write to them in a more personal way. Mm. What's your tips around really getting clear on who that one person is in the sense, not the research part, but the part where we're sitting down to write an email? Do you actually name your avatars so that you're sitting down like you're writing a letter directly to them? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And I will even go a step further. One of my favorite things to do for my clients when, when we talk about their, their ideal customer, their ideal client, is I will then go onto those stock photo sites, whether it's Pexels or Pixabay or whatever, and I will find a picture of a person that to me visually represents that person. No way. I thought I was the only nerdy person that did that. <laughs> you do that too? I do oh, do that. So I, and excited. I have, the, and because, and, and here's the next bit that I wanted to touch on because I've got a feeling <laughs> we're going to be nerdy snapping together. I ha we have multiple avatars yep. and a lot of people try and speak to those multiple avatars in that one letter or piece of copy, post, whatever it is, rather than going, okay, I've got six avatars. Let's do a post to Jan today. Let's do right. a post to Bill today and, and really getting clear that each of those posts go to a different person. Absolutely. And if it's in your email list and you can segment them, right? Even tag them like this is a Jan or this is a bill and call them that. Like you've given them a name, call, tag them that way. Mm -hmm. And then you can even just segment your emails. So Bill isn't going to see Jan's emails. Jan's just going to see Jan's emails. No, mm. I love to do this. Mm. <laughs> this is so cool. I just want to share really quickly because this may help our listeners. The day that I realized this, I had been writing an email and you know, actually you may never have done this. You are a copywriter, but you're writing, 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 and then you hit delete, 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 write, 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 delete, 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 delete. And I had been doing this for about four hours and mm -hmm. then it, it just for some reason, I can remember it so distinctly. I can remember where I was sitting. I can remember what I was writing about. And I went, oh my goodness, I'm trying to write to three different people. That's why I'm having a problem. And I said, you know what? Today, I'm going to write to Jan. And I knocked that email out so quickly. I reckon it, 10 minutes later, it was done. And mm -hmm. it was at that point that I had the massive epiphany. And that's when I started naming my avatars, putting them all it. on the wall and saying, okay, who am I writing to today? 
I love that you admitted that you type, 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 delete, delete, delete. <laughs> and I do too. Like I've been writing copy for 13 years now. I still do it. I'll start and, and I have a mechanical keyboard. So it, it, the delete button is really like, it makes the noise and, and it, <laughs> you can hear me getting madder and madder as I hit it harder and harder. <laughs> and that's, so if you're listening and you're like, I can't ever write without, trust me, everybody deletes their stuff all the time. I love it. Um, but I, that's exactly it. And I bet that when you wrote that, you were able to really connect with Jan mm. on that real one-to-one, human-to-human, person-to-person level. And the people who received that probably felt like you were sitting on their sofa talking to them one-on-one as a friend who had the answer they needed. Well, it makes such a difference, right? Because as you're writing to this one person and you can visually, I'm a very visual person, when you can visually see them in front of you, it is, it's easier because you can write as if you're having a conversation with them. Exactly. You can feel when, you know, when they're telling you, I've got this problem and you're really tapping in. And this is where the psych part comes in that you were talking about earlier because you can really tap in and, and feel what they're going through. Yes. And that makes a huge difference huge difference. So yeah, we are like kindred spirits. I still can't believe you, you find and print pictures out. I do the same thing. (laughs) I'm actually glad I found someone else as nerdy as me. (laughs) Awesome. So the very first thing is to make it personal. What's the second pillar? The second pillar is poke the bruise. Ooh, tell us, this sounds awful, but I'm sure it's going to be brilliant. So (laughs) I don't know if you're clumsy like me, but I have, I have been clumsy my whole life. And um, I will run into a doorknob or hit a wall or whatever, and I will have a bruise. And usually when you have a bruise, right when you get the bruise, it hurts, Mm -hmm. right? You run into the doorknob and it hurts your, oh man, my arm hurts. The next day, it doesn't hurt anymore. You just have a big old purple welt on your arm. And stick with my metaphor for a minute. Then somebody says, oh, how'd you hurt your arm? And you look at your arm and you poke it which makes it hurt again because Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. No, no, you're not. (laughs) As you're telling the story of how you got that injury, your client is living their lives dealing with pain the same way, okay? If you're a relationship coach who helps single women find the man of their dreams, just for example, Mm -hmm. chances are your ideal client isn't walking through their day 24-7 going, I really wish I had a boyfriend. I really wish I could find the man of my dreams. I really am tired of being alone. I'm tired. They're not. They're Mm. living their lives. So it's up to you to poke the bruise, to remind them that that injury exists, Mm -hmm. that that pain is there so that they're ready to purchase from you. I love that. Poke the bruise is my metaphor. And it sounds really mean and I guess it kind of is, but until you reactivate their pain a little, they're not going to be ready to take action. Mm, I love that. That is such a great metaphor. Can you give us some examples of how this poking the bruise could look in in a piece of copy? Um, let's say, for example, a, a a post that we're putting on social media that's inviting someone to take a sales call with us. For example. So, and this could work for a post or an email or a sales page. Mm -hmm. So it it would all work the same. And you would pretty much open, maybe passive. I like to do big headline first, right? Grab their attention. And then I like to go right into poking the bruise. So I would say something, if it was somebody to book a call with me, like, are you, 
I get it. Like you're totally overwhelmed with running your business. You've got eight bajillion things on your plate. You're dealing with launching this new product. And the last thing you want to do is sit down and write copy that you're not sure is even going to work to begin with. Right? Like, so you're just kind of describing their situation to Mm -hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Maybe go into it a little deeper. So you put it off, you put it off, and then all of a sudden, it's the day before you're supposed to go live. You don't have a single email written. Your sales page is half built, and now you're up until three o'clock in the morning, mainlining espresso, hoping you can get it done in time for your webinar at eight a.m. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah. you really kind of put them in that situation that they're in, and that's when you can then get them primed to imagine a better future which is really the next step. So you have headline, bruise, imagine statements, which was imagine having your copy done for you weeks beforehand. Mm -hmm. And then your solution. Hey, if you want to have that kind of life, call me. So that's obviously a very condensed, off the cuff, put me on the spot kind of. Yes, and thank you for playing along so beautifully. (laughs) But it helps us to get context what you know, what we're talking about when we're talking about poke the bruise. Because you know, it's sometimes we go, Oh yeah, I get that. And then you sit down to write and like, hmm Maybe I I don't don't get get that that so much. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fantastic. Thank you. So yeah, you just want to explore the stuff that they're worrying about the things that are kind of keeping them up at night, explore that a little bit, describe their situation to them a little bit, and then move into how you can help them solve that problem. Mm, Which is obviously the third step. Yes. So don't wimp out is a big one. And when I... When I talk about not wimping out, like if I'm on stage, I have this really great graphic. We're talking about visual of this like wimpy guy in boxing gear holding up his muscles and Mm -hmm. and just don't wimp out. Like, I don't care how small you feel like your selling muscle is, push it. Um, Because a lot of times I will see people who do really great jobs of building up the why and the benefits and explaining the program. And then they kind of end it with, and if you want to buy it, you can maybe, I don't know, think about it. Just give me a call. You know, like they just fall totally flat when it comes time to actually making the offer. Mm -hmm. And I really want to encourage everyone that's hearing me to just stick to your guns and know that you're making an offer to help them make their lives better. Mm. If you believe in your product enough to create it and sell it, believe in it enough to make the offer, darn it. Um, And so what I really want to see people do is be crystal clear about the investment. A lot Mm -hmm. of people like to hide the investment because they think that it's going to scare people off. And if it does, they're not your client anyway. Mm -hmm. Be crystal clear about any kind of deadline that you have, which frankly, we should all have deadlines, whether it's a long course, you know, like a program start date or a cart close date, be really crystal clear. And then also be super crystal clear about what steps you want them to take next. Mm. And I mean, telling them, click the hot pink button below, enter your information in the credit card form and hit submit. You'll get an email to confirm, like really let them know what to expect. What that does is that sets them up to trust you through that process, as well as completely understanding what you want them to do. Totally. I want to go back to that investment because I've actually been doing a lot of reading on this just uh, over the, the break. And one of the things that I read was that when you show the investment up front, that it turns your program into a commodity. In other words, people can 
um, really sort of say, well, your program's this much, but another person's program's this much Mm -hmm. without really understanding what makes your program different. I'd love you to dive into that a little bit deeper and give us your take on that. Absolutely. So it really also depends on your sales process. Mm -hmm. If you're selling without a call, then you're going to need to tell them how much to pay. I mean, that's just, you know, and, and in the example that I gave you, it was, it would be a program without a a phone call. It's just straight to cart. And so of course we need to tell them that. Now, if you are having an application process, so you are having a higher price program that is a little more elite with, with an application and a sales call, then you don't necessarily have to give them the exact investment, Mm -hmm. but I do want you to prime them that it's not going to be cheap. Mm. Um, And so sometimes people will say, well, Allison, how much do you charge for copy? Well, one, I'm not just going to randomly spout off prices. I don't know anything about your business, but two, we need to get on a call for that. Right. And so I say, I'm not the most expensive copywriter out there, but I'm not the cheapest. I will tell you my price does have a comma in it. Mm -hmm. And so it primes them to let them know you're not going to get anything for 500 bucks. Yep. But, you know, I'm going to be honest, I'm not Dan Kennedy either, so I'm not going to be charging you $100,000 for a sales page. Yeah. Right? Like I give you I give you an idea that the investment is going to be higher and let's talk about it so I can give you a more a more detailed answer to that. Um, and I like that tactic if you do have an application and sales call process. Mm. Because it's in, it's essentially invite only. If it's an application, you are pre-qualifying your people. Yeah. And it is not a commodity. It is a high ticket program. So I think with, with higher ticket programs, you can be a little, I don't want to say the word cagey, but you can be a little more vague about your pricing, but I still want you to give them kind of an idea of what to expect. Totally. I know that there is an investment there. Because if you don't, then you're, you're not attracting, you know, qualified leads. Exactly. You're, you're actually, um, wasting your time essentially, I guess. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if your program is a $10,000 program and you let your reader, your prospect, what have you believe that it could be a $500 program, you're going to have a full calendar of $500 calls. Yeah. People who are willing to only spend $500 and that, that takes away your time, your effort, your energy from getting more of those qualified calls. Mm. So don't be afraid to say something like, just to let you know the solution does come with an investment and it's not going to be cheap. And tell them why it's not going to be cheap because you've put all of your time, effort, expertise, blood, sweat, tears, soul, whatever into this program and you know that it can get them the result they need and mm. want. Mm. And that's why there's an investment there. You're more than happy to talk with them further about that investment on this call should they make it through the application process. Totally. So from clients that you've worked with before, why do you think they wimp out on the sales? Because I also see this a lot. I'd love it. I'd, I'd love you to know your take because you're working with a lot of people and you probably see this <laughs> all the time. I see it a lot. And it's not necessarily just with people I work with. It's, I mean, I see it just mm-hmm. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is an idea, especially in the, the thought space, the expert space, mm-hmm. if you will. It's very difficult to put a finite value on knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, we all tend to suffer from a little bit of this imposter idea. Uh-huh. Like, who the heck am I to be charging this much money? And maybe we have put prices out there before and we've gotten some 
some harsh feedback. So we Mm -hmm. shy away. And we also see other people not being very strong with their calls to action. (laughs) (laughs) Intentional with their calls to action, being like, look, here's what I have. It's awesome for you. I would love for you to buy this. We don't see that. And so we think that it's just not done. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, it's uncomfortable to say that stuff. Mm, it mm. is uncomfortable until you do it more often. Like I've been doing it for 13 years and I struggle doing it for my own stuff. Mm-hmm. I can write a really strong, super compelling call to action for clients all day and seven ways on Sunday. When it comes to my own stuff, I have to be very, I have to force myself to do it. Mm. So, because it's uncomfortable. And so we because- just don't. We can see the strength and the genius in others so much easier than we can see it in ourselves. Oh my goodness. I can write copy for some, I mean, I seriously, last weekend I couldn't sleep. So I got up and I wrote a sales page in an hour and a half Um, and it was a good one. Like I was really proud of it. It takes me weeks to write one for me. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I call that. It's very difficult to read the label from inside the jar. Yes. Or the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Uh huh. <laughs> All the other hundred metaphors that I'm sure you and I could pull out. Everybody's so, thought of one. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's listening and they've got, I've got one. I've got one. <laughs> Our Facebooks are going to be flooded. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully. So, so not wimping out is a very important part of the, of the page. I really love this getting clear on the offer, the investment, the deadline and the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. What, what else do we need to really pay attention to? Um, as far as not wimping out or are we ready for our next pillar? You tell us. I think, I think we've covered wimping out. Uh-huh. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to beat that horse anymore. Uh, the next pillar is, is Homer Simpson. Ooh. This, <laughs> this is one of my favorite pillars. Um, because, a friend of mine actually coined the phrase, right? You want to write to your audience as if they are Homer Simpson. Mm-hmm. And I expand on it by saying, I don't care how educated, intelligent, cosmopolitan, sophisticated, rich. I don't care about what your clients are. Every single one of them has had a bad day. Mm-hmm. Or one of those days where they just do not have the mental energy to give anything to anyone. Mm -hmm. right? We've all had a bad day. I have one. I could tell you in horrifying detail what it was, but (laughs) it it started with me literally falling out my front door. It ended with me on the floor of a bathroom with my head in the toilet and I hadn't had a drop to drink. Um, and it was my birthday. So I didn't have mental energy to give any complicated words thought that day. Uh And you want to treat your clients, your prospects as if they're having that kind of day. Mm-hmm. You want to make your writing clear. You want to make it concise. You want to avoid confusion. Plus, see words here. Mm-hmm. But really, you don't want to give them mental hurdles. Some examples of this. Um, super clever metaphors that they have to really think about. Like maybe poking a bruise. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, you want to avoid large words, $5 words, SAT words, whatever you want to call them, right? Dictionary words that mm-hmm. they may or may not know the, the meaning of. Mm-hmm. And you also want to avoid, especially in, in written copy, of words that look difficult, mm-hmm. that can cause that visual kind of stumbling block. Mm-hmm. You want to help them get through your copy so they can get your message. 
Um, the one exception to the vocabulary rule is if you have industry-specific jargon that is widely known within your target industry, but maybe not outside of your target industry. Mm -hmm. Those words are okay to use. Yeah. Um, I always want to make sure that people know they can use specific jargon if your client will understand it. And if they are, the, if you're writing directly to the person that's really in that industry. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're in the construction industry and you're only speaking to construction foremen and they have special words that they use, I'm not one, so I don't know if they do, go ahead and use those words. But otherwise, don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my husband works for the U.S. government. They are acronym heavy and he will mm -hmm. come home and tell me about his day and he'll throw acronyms at me. And I'm like, I don't understand it. Uh-huh. Yes. But to his coworkers, they pick it up immediately. So it's all about that audience, mm -hmm. making it personal. Um, but really what you want to do is you just want to make it easy for them to understand what you're offering, understand what to do next. So this is where this pillar and don't wimp out overlap and understand what's going to happen. So I might say something like, as soon as you hit the hot pink button and schedule your call, you're going to get a confirmation email from me with a number to, to call into. And you're going to do that at the time that you've chosen. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I will tell you exactly what to expect so that you're not confused through the process. Mm. There's a saying that the confused mind doesn't buy. So we want to avoid confusion or any possibility of confusion or uncertainty mm. because that's the easiest way to get that X button click. And especially these days when people are so busy, their attention spans, are, you know, all of us, our attention spans are like a gnat these days, you know, things are moving so quickly. And if we don't explain exactly what to do and what the next step is, we've probably already moved on to, you know, the next video in our newsfeed, the next cat meme that, you know, the phone's <laughs> rung, the kids want some money like this, you know, there's a million other things that are happening. So it's, it's much easier just to say, do this, do this, do this. Um, so even, you know, you did mention the person that's, you know, at, at the road's scholar, even, even they've got things going on in them in their life. I mean, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I'm a reasonably intelligent woman. And once it hits like 730 at night, I've got a three-year-old. He's climbing all over me. I am on my phone. I am scrolling through Facebook. And if it's too hard, I'm going past it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that um, I, I really want to bring up, especially because we're talking about a lot about social and scrolling, is the wall of text. And so I'm I love Reddit. And one of my pet peeves on Reddit is people will not format into paragraphs. Mm -hmm. So you open it up and your whole screen is size, whatever point font. And it's just line, 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 full end to end, top to bottom of text. I don't read those. Mm -hmm. My eyes go buggy and I can't, I just don't, I just, it's clearly not a post I'm ever meant to read. Mm -hmm. And so you know, as much attention as we want to spend on the vocabulary and the words that we use, we also want to look at the formatting and give, give our eyes a break too, right? Homer Simpson has eyes. So give his eyes a break too. Use some snappy sentences. Change the length of your sentences. Don't just use five word sentences for everything. It gets boring and repetitive. Change the length of your lines. Call out specific phrases on just one line. How can you break it up so it's visually interesting for the eye as well as easy for the brain to understand? So you're specifically here talking about white space. 
there, yeah, white space, but also how things flow. Mm -hmm. um, I love putting like part of a sentence and then maybe the rest of the sentence in its own paragraph, if you will, for emphasis, if I mm -hmm. want to emphasize it. So how can you flow it? How can you white space for the eye to rest, you know, especially on social use arrow emojis and uh, don't overdo the emojis, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. makes use some to break things up. And I know in some places you can bold and, and make headlines now on Facebook and how can you break it up and use some copy cosmetics is what that's called to, to make it easier for the brain because when the eye gets a break, so does the brain, mm. right? If I can take a pause at the end of a sentence to give my eye a break, my brain gets a break too. So I'm, I've got the mental energy to, to continue on. So when you're writing a post like that and you're talking about the copy cosmetics, how do you, how do you know when to do that? Do you, I guess where I'm going with this is, do you write like you speak? Like how, yeah. how is it that you, you come up with the way to write this? So I, I do write the way I speak. Um, I, not everybody does. And I wish more people did mm -hmm. because your copy would be much more authentic that way. Uh -huh. A lot of times we try to over, we, we deliver overwrought copy and it sounds too formal and just say it. <laughs> just say it. Just say it. Period. But what you want to do is you want to highlight key phrases, not words, phrases. Mm -hmm. If the phrases that you highlight, whether it's, you know, on your website with bold and headlines or on Facebook with emojis and line breaks, if all the person did was read those phrases that you've highlighted in that way, would they get the gist of the story? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I made a big long post about the five pillars of good copy, I might say, you know, for Homer Simpson, like, it doesn't matter how smart your people are. They all have a bad day and don't have mental energy. And that's the gist of the story that we've just, I mean, I guess I could have just said all that instead of this whole diatribe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? So get them the bullet points of the story if all they do is skim. Mm -hmm. 95 to 99% of people skim everything they read. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You want to you wanna make it easy for them to do that. And then if they decide they want to go back and read the whole thing in depth, they can. Yeah. So, so you're giving people the option of how they want to read. You're, yes. And you're giving them a break. You're giving them an out. They don't have to, you know, think too hard. One of the best emails that I read, and I, I didn't write this. I, I wish I did. <laughs> I'm a very, in the disc profile, I'm a very high D. I do things at warp speed, I, which also means that I actually make a lot of mistakes because I just move <laughs> so quickly. Right. And I opened up this email and it was seriously, it was, Dear Sam, uh, this is the thing. Here's the link. Thanks. It was seriously four lines. And I was just like, awesome, just click that link. But then I noticed underneath it said, for those people that need a little bit more than that, here's the long version. And there was this huge email with all of the, you know, all of the points that <laughs> needed to be touched on and all the important bits and pieces that I really didn't care for. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I thought it was fantastic the way that that was put together. I've seen sales pages are trending that way too. Um, long, even if they're long form at the top, it's like headline, subhead, buy button, more info here. 
Like that's so me. That is so me. <laughs> and I mean, we could rabbit hole on this all day long, but really people consume content in different ways. Mm-hmm. Some people want to hear it. Some people want to read it. Some people want to watch it. And some people need the, the Cliff's notes right up front. And some people want to investigate more. Some people like to skim. Some, so the more you can meet those different needs, the more successful you're going to be. Mm. So what I'm hearing you saying is that even if we're writing a sales page for Jan, we have to imagine we've got a D type Jan. We've got to imagine we've got the I type Jan. We've got to imagine we've got the C type Jan. So it's not even when we're writing for one person, we have to imagine that there's multiple versions of that person that is consuming the content. So we're writing the words for that one person, but we need to assume that they're consuming it in different ways. Absolutely. When I was when I was an education major, we learned that people, I mean, children and people learn in different ways, mm-hmm. right? I, I named the watching, reading, doing, mm-hmm. hearing. And so I am a reader. If you have a sales video and no copy, you have no hope of selling me. Oh, snap, snap. <laughs> I do not watch videos. We are like, we are kindred spirits. <laughs> we are, we're twinning over here. We are. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't, my husband will read things to me and I'm like, hun, can you please just let me read it? Because I can't, I can't comprehend what you're saying. Oh my goodness. I, I swear we're, we're in the same house right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to read it. Yeah. And if I have any hope of remembering it, I have to write it down. Like that's just how I learn. Mm. And so there are people out there that are like, oh yeah, all you need is a VSL. No, you need copy because you'll never sell people like me. Mm. If I'm Jan, I'm Jan the reader. Mm-hmm. But then you, on the flip side, you have Jan the watcher who never reads copy and only watches videos. Mm. And so how do you deal with that? Um, you have a sales video with copy underneath. Yeah. They can say the same exact thing. It's just designed to meet those two different people where they need to be. Mm, I love that. That's such a good tip. And it's so important to remember that not everyone is like us because, you know, when we're under the pump, it's very easy to get caught up into doing things the way that we like to do them. But to remember that there's people out there that that are learning or need those things in different ways is super, um, super important. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's just go back and cover those five pillars because I've got a funny feeling that we actually, or I actually really went over one right there in the middle. So pillar one was to be personal, Uh to know who we're speaking to and speak to only them each time we're putting a piece of copy together. Uh, Number two is poke the bruise. So get very clear on uh, what it is that's keeping our people up at night. Mm -hmm. What was number three? Don't wimp out. Okay. I did get that. Don't wimp out. So make sure that you are showing the offer, the investment, the deadline, the next steps. Number four is to be Homer Simpson. Is Homer Simpson. Excellent. So I didn't miss anything. So we're up to number five. We are. And this one is is pretty easy. It's Energizer Bunny. Oh, that sounds fun. So we want to keep going with our marketing. We don't want to just one and done and call it a day. You're not Mm -hmm. just going to send one email. You're not just going to do one Facebook post. Keep going. Um, Dan Kennedy always liked to say, um, I'm going to email them until they buy or die Mm -hmm. or mail to them because he's direct mail. I'm going to mail to them until they buy or die. I have updated that saying Mm -hmm. um, for email. I'm going to email them until they buy, die or unsubscribe. Uh So it's really just 
your response rate is going to improve the more often they hear from you. Mm -hmm. It takes, I think, what, seven to 12 touches before someone's ready to make a buying decision. I have a client who um, has a premium, a high ticket program, $10,000 program, and he sold a spot in that program to someone that had followed him for six years. Mm -hmm. I know the story had well. He, had he stopped marketing to that person, he would have missed out on that sale. Now, that's not to say that you don't perform list maintenance, that you don't get the, the dead weight off your list and all of that stuff. But if they're engaging with your stuff, if they're clicking your links, opening your emails, commenting on your posts, if they're part of your world, keep going. Mm -hmm. There's never a lost cause and it can feel like they are, especially if you're like, oh, this guy's been on my list for five and a half years. Like seriously, it's either time to uh, or get off the pot. Well, six years, you know, six months later, now he's a client. So um, it's, that's kind of a short one, but just keep at it. Mm. And it's really important to note as well that that person that, that bought after six years, if that person hadn't have kept marketing so that that person could, that prospect could mm -hmm. buy, he would have still bought. He just would have bought with someone different. Someone else. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and that's really important to think because I know that a lot of people get really caught up in, you know, how often do I email? Actually, I'd love your take on that. How often do you think that we should email our list? As often as they will allow. Mm. How is that for a vague non-answer? Uh, <laughs> I have some, some clients and I'm on some lists where they email every day mm -hmm. because that's what their list will allow. Mm -hmm. I have other clients who email once a week because that's what their list will allow. So I like on average once every three days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes it's two days. Sometimes it's four days. Sometimes it's, you know, one right after the other, if, especially during launches and things like that. Um, I do like to email them more often right when they first sign up because that's mm -hmm. when they're hottest. Mm -hmm. But it also, it'll ebb and flow throughout their buying journey, Right. And I think that's really what we're, you alluded to it, right? He still would have bought at that six-year mark just from someone else. Not everybody's ready to buy the minute they connect with you. Mm -hmm. Most of them aren't. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to have this whole journey and you're going to teach them things that they need to know to be ready to purchase from you and how long it takes. Well, that's part of your, your sales cycle, you know? Mm. And so continue to nurture them as you discover what your average nurture and sales cycle is, and then you can work to shorten it with frequency of email or content in your emails or Facebook posts and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would test with once every three days and then go up or down as your list responds. Are they, you know, are you hitting delete? Are they unsubscribing at a higher rate when you email sooner? Um, that kind of thing. I think that you actually touched on the bit that's really important there is to make your emails interesting, teach them what they need to know, make them interesting. Yes. I've got people that email me every day and I have been reading their emails every day for years. And I exactly. mean, there is one person in particular that I wake up and I read his email, his daily email, <laughs> very first thing in the morning because it is mm -hmm. so good. And what he provides or the value he provides in that email is so good that it, it almost sets me up for a great day. Right. Yet there's other emails that I might get once a, once a week even, and they are just 
rubbish, you know, that, that, you know, I, I read the first couple of sentences and I'll just be like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, archiving that. So I Mm -hmm. think that, um, it's not just, and, and I know that you agree already. It's not just the amount of times that we do email them, but it's what we actually include in that email. Are we providing value or are we just spamming that person with rubbish? Right. And vary the length of your emails as well. You know, um, so I might have one where I'm like, Hey, I was just on this podcast. Check it out. Link. Mm. And then I might have one where I have some, some more in-depth content that you might want to read. And so it's, you know, you can choose to, to just check out something real quick, or you can spend more time with me and, and then I can also see which gets clicks, which gets engagement, which gets, oh, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can, by testing that, I can learn more about my list. Fantastic. Now, I believe you've got a, a free resource for our listeners on how to write a sales page. I'd love you to share what exactly that is. Yes. So I wrote this guide called the sales page that writes itself. So yeah, you already fun. want it. <laughs> I know. It sounds so sexy, doesn't it? Uh-huh. And it's, it's totally free. And what it, it will kind of walk you through getting out of your own way with the copy. And I'll give you a quick little formula and a num- fun little trick to actually not have to write anything. <laughs> um, and you can get that at alisonlex.com slash writes itself. And that's A-L-Y-S-O-N. Thanks, mom, for that 35 years of spelling my name. A-L-Y-S-O-N-L-E-X dot com slash writes itself. And of course, I will put that link in the show notes as always because I know that if you're out walking or at the gym that you don't want to go straight to that. So it'll be there for you in the show notes so that you can get your free copy of the sales page that writes itself. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. (laughs) Yes, me too. I'm going to go get a copy myself. Alison, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for sharing so much value. I think that copy or getting good copy is such a huge piece or a huge key to getting, Mm -hmm. you know, our business out there and converting. And I believe that we can never learn enough about really how we can write well to get people, you know, at the end of the day, purchasing our products and our programs. So thank you so much for sharing your five pillars for good copy with us today. We really appreciate you. And uh, yeah, thanks. I'm sure that everyone's going to have a fantastic 2020 with amazing posts, emails and sales copy. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. But before we go, have you joined us in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook? If not, jump over there right now and connect with other entrepreneurs who are also building and scaling their business. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.